Hey, everybody. Um, this is um, part two of my uh, uh, episode with Jetsy Getsy on the burnout. Uh, it's okay not to be okay. Just uh, just want to give you a heads up. Sometimes when people see the part twos, they get confused because I just split them right in the middle. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Thanks. I'm not going to lay on a couch. I'm not going to do group therapy, but I'll do this, this, and this. Again, which is sort of a, this illusion of control, right? Sure. Yeah. So I released a little bit of control and now I'm going to gain it back, right? I'm going to, I'm going to control the outcome of, of my therapy and get that magic pill, get fixed, if you will. Right. Yeah. So that whole self-propulsion thing was just, you know, it was kind of crazy. Right. And, and again, like look back at all these things that I just talked about, like all these successes and achievements and, and, you know, all that control that I think that I have. Um, but yet I'm still in this place. Why am I still in this place? Right. It's insane. Yeah. Right? And I use that, that the definition of insanity of like it's right. insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but yeah. expecting different results. Right. That's one of the definitions. And so using that definition, I'm insane. You're sitting here talking with an insane person. Right. Because I just can't give up that control. Right. I keep repeating that same behavior, that same pattern over and over. Right. And so I needed to really, truly let go. Right. So just I mean, this is recent, November 10th. This is what I got. This is what I got myself into. I, I started to realize that I, I don't have that complete control, you know, realize that I have to, I have to give up some of that and get into a program. And that's when I joined a program uh, in Orange County, California. And it wasn't anything like my ideal, right? What I planned on, you know, sitting on a fainting chair with a psychologist or a psychiatrist asking me how I feel. Yeah. Can I ask you, do you, you want to share with us the, 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 the whole idea of the safe word? Because I thought that was, that might be <laughs> control. Yeah. Back to control with the safe word. So uh, entering the program um, or going, getting ready to enter the program, I was still unsure, right? I, I couldn't control the program itself. So what I did is I established a safe word or a safe phrase, if you will, with my wife and said, look, I'm, I'm, you know, strongly considering entering this program. I'm going to get off the beach and go in. And uh, if I call you and say murder, she wrote, that's your cue murder. She wrote, right. If I say though that, that phrase to you, that means come get me, right. I'm I'll, I'll be on the beach waiting for you. You come pick me up in San Diego. And uh, so again, not release, not completely releasing that control, having that, that out, right. Controlling my, my destiny, if you will, or my, you know, my uh, entire program. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to use that. And, you know, I don't know how the, the audience, uh, you know, if you know, murder, she wrote, it's just, it was something that just popped into my head out of the yeah, blue. It's crazy. based on a eighties uh, drama series. But I, I thought it was interesting, you know, in fact, you know, I mean, I think that, like people in our industry and like tend to so like it no matter how far we unravel control, we're gonna have control. So I remember asking you, like, how does one when somebody gets to that sort of I'm just about to say murder she wrote, I realize you still were sort of um intellectually, you know, like I asked you, how do you do? And you go to the hospital, you check yourself in, and you you know, you you know, basically that point, control probably was a good thing at some level. In yeah. That, seemed like you went through a very methodical approach to find the right place. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I did, I did, I, I held interviews. Right. And I don't, I don't, my opinion is that that's not very common. Right. I mean, right. people that need help are, are, you know, trying to stay in that control necessarily. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I did. I interviewed, I interviewed some of these programs. And in fact, while I was, uh, my son and I were down on a surfing trip right before this. Um, and I went to one of the facilities to tour it. It's a residential facility and, you know, got a tour of the house. These were all things that I was trying to control and make sure that, you know, I was going to be comfortable uh, in this place. I think most of the listeners, this podcast are going to be pretty empathetic and pretty in tune and critical thinkers. And like, Hey, I think there were all the people listening to my podcast, but uh, I think some might ask the question, wait a minute, wait a minute here. You're serving. And you're like, and, and again, I think that's the not understanding that sort of, like you said, you you like, you can have this duality mm-hmm. of everything being cool, perfect, having enough money and, and, and in a place in your life to be able to surf, right. On, right. On California, but at the same time being, in, in the depths of like sort of yeah angst yeah I, I, again painting that picture of that outside realm like you, you're entirely right like looking looking you know even listening to this talk um or experiencing it with me you know like from the outside in you're you're with your son in southern california on a surf trip you know like what do you have to worry about yeah. you know and, and realistically at the end of the day you know, yes, I felt good. I felt a, a bit of, of, of hope and happiness, you know, while I'm out, you know, in the sea with my kid, uh, bottom line, you come back in and, and all those things are still there. Right. right. So that was the point, right? Yeah. You found a cool place, right? And yeah, and it, it wasn't, yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. It's not, again, it's not what I envisioned or what I planned. Right. Uh, it, it was far from that. Um, it was pretty rigid, uh, actually, you know, like, uh, no devices, no computers, right. Uh, big change. Right. I mean, we've all, we carry these supercomputers with us in our pockets everywhere we go. Um, so I have no direct access to the outside world in this, right. Uh, limited to a five minute phone call once per day. Right. So I, I, at first I hated that. I, it, it was something that I, you know, I couldn't control and it sucked. Right. I was like, this is an anti-pattern. This is not therapeutic to me. I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to my kids, maybe a couple of friends, you know, um, but I'm reflecting back on it. It was right. It was what I needed. Right. I needed to get into the books. I needed to reflect on myself. Um, and then the group therapies. I mean, we were doing five to seven days, six to eight hours a day of, of group sessions. Right. And that's, you know, I've, as of late, I've had a lot of social anxiety and getting into those groups was something that I didn't want, right? As I discussed before, I wanted my one-on-one therapy with a, you know, the psychiatrist and the therapist. And that's not what was happening there, right? Um, I so I felt like leaving many times, right? Calling murder, she wrote. Calling my wife and saying, "Hey, murder, she wrote. Let's go." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, fortunately, I didn't. Um, I stuck it out, and you know, I guess I could say that I used some of my control there to say, you know what, I'm going to see this through good or bad. I'm going to see it through. Right. Right. Um, and that's where I was at, right. I was in this program, um, you know, 45 days to 60 days is where, you know, kind of where I was going and really focusing on mental health. Um, I just have to call out one thing that my wife had said to me, um, that really stuck with me throughout this entire journey was she had, she had said to me, your problems are no greater or no less than anybody else's, mm-hmm. right? Which was really important to me when I came into this program. You know, I had all these 
images like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest and who am I dealing with here? You know what I mean? And like, I've got these things. It was, you know, almost a sense of entitlement in a way, um, which I despise. I'm not that type of person, but I was feeling that right. And getting into these group settings, I had to realize again, stick to that, to, to the talk with my wife, it'd be like, you know, my problems are no greater than anybody else's. Right. And to come together as a group and and be vulnerable was extremely important. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm trying to trivialize it, but I think I was going to ask you about group therapy, but I think you see, you're already sort of answering my question, which is, um, you know, that the, the point is something I learned early on. Like, you know, I won't go into too detail, you know, just because I want to spend more time with talking about your situation. But like, you know, I've battled anxiety, like in bouts, like you couldn't believe in different points in my life. Right. And I think at one point there was some sort of self-help that that was explaining that, hey, you're not unique, buddy. <laughs> like yeah. everybody goes through this. And I think that, boy, that was so therapeutic for me. Right. Because I think what happens is, you know, you drive yourself into this vortex of thinking that this thing is something like much different than it really should be or whatever. Right. Again, not realizing it. But and then the the sort of having somebody else. So, oh, wow, that's the same thing that happened to me that. Oh, wow. You know, and again, this will sound very trite or true, but I, I think it, it's sort of like at some level, like, you know, Toastmasters. Right. I don't know if you ever did Toastmasters like you. You, you might have a terrible fear of speaking in public. And now all of a sudden you're sitting around talking to all these people, having coffee, and then you have to get in front of them and talk. And you realize, wait a minute, I was just talking to that person. And now I'm <laughs> standing up in front of them and I'm scared to death. Right. And, yeah. and I, it sounds to me like group theory had that sort of like, you know, listening to other people and you being able to share and people having that sort of commonality. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an important topic. I mean, my recommendation throughout all of this is, is going to be very similar to what you just discussed it. You know, we're not alone. Right. Right. And feeling all these different emotions, maybe even tipping on the verge of, of suicidal ideation or planning, uh, which is very scary, but it's not, it's not limited to any group of people. Right. I mean, and status, um, I, you know, I don't know what the role is. Uh, you did a, a, a talk on, I think, Hiroshi, and you mentioned uh, one of your friends, Steve, in that in that uh, talk. Um, you know, and that just kind of shows like he went he was talking about I think it was a burnout. Yeah, no, I, the, you know, the, the whole reason I got into it was um, a couple of events had happened in a short order period, you know, this this gentleman that um, when I first moved to land and I started, started this cloud group and this young man um, was starting a business that he was going to recruit students down in uh, real deep Southern Georgia. So we took this road. He wanted me to meet these college professors and we took this road trip like three and a half hours there, two and a half hours back. And, you know, we just, it's one of those things where we had to like seven hours in the car with this guy. We were like, gelling about everything and he was so excited about this business that i was excited about his business i was thinking maybe i should get involved in it and a couple of months later you know actually on a trip down to disneyland i got a call from his business partner and told me he committed suicide and i just couldn't understand how this this person who i mean the first day of trip he was explaining all these wonderful things about how he was going to grow this business and 
And then the way back, we talked about the industrial revolution and we got into meta conversations. And, you know, to me, that was so disconnected from the idea of somebody thinking about committing suicide, right? Like, wait, how can somebody so so empathetic, so interesting, you know, so like um, positive about what they were doing? And, you know, and then that sort of stuck in the back of my head. And then it was um, a, a DevOps Days uh, event in LA that's associated with Scale, which is the largest Linux conference. I'd go there every year. And there's this young guy that I, I'd meet every day, you know, every year. Uh, and he was young and I'd mentor him. And he was just incredibly beautiful in every sense, you know, like he's respectful and just, um, you know, everything about him, you know. And uh, I show up, you know, and I find out that, like, you know, the week before the event, he committed suicide. And and that prompted me to write an article about like, uh, you know, on Gene's IT revolution about burnout, which, you know, and I called it the Karashatsu, which is sort of death by work or whatever. Yeah. And what was amazing about it was not only those events, like, and, um, but it was the, the, you know, the, I mean, I think there was like a thousand comments on it. Um, even one comment, Gene, I, and somebody else had to triage somebody in the comments because it looks like they were trying to thinking about suicide, you know, suicidal ideation, right? And and um, and then I'd get these emails, and even today I'll run into people and say, you know, that article you wrote, I started getting emails from people, prominent people in our industry, They're like, wait a minute, that guy, and they always start with, you know, please don't tell anybody this, but. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, even the younger guys were scared to death of the VCs. I mean, that was another crazy. I'd have yeah. all these young, like, sort of um, emerging entrepreneurs saying, hey, John, I wanted to tell you my story, but, like, I can't, you know, please promise that you won't say anything about it because the VCs ever heard about this. You know, like, it was like, that's how bad it was. Like, they were concerned yeah. that they couldn't get venture capital. Um, you know, anyway, so it just got me down this whole path of wanting to learn. present, And, and this is a good time to tell that one story, which is, so I said in that blog article, I said, hey, you know, like, I don't want, and there was one other story. Stephen Nelson Smith was the gentleman who, uh, you know, one of the you know, sort of co-founders of DevOps. He was given a presentation in, in a DevOps days, uh, Tel Aviv. And um, I don't know, eight, nine minutes in, he said, yeah, last year was a bad year. I almost committed suicide. The whole floor just flattened. And he's a friend of mine, dear friend of mine. You know, and I, I after the presentation, I went out like crying and hugged him. And I said, dude, please talk to me. And so yeah. in that article, I said, at the end of it, I said, if you are with any sort of radius of, of my sort of listening you know, that can hear me, I am telling you, please call me. You know, again, it's a control thing. I mean, I don't believe that I can fix things. Right. But I, I did want to put the sort of beacon out to say, you know, like, like maybe I can be a step function. Right. Or in, in the end, we'll talk about sort of like, I think our, healthy community attributes for this. Um, And then, you know, I was telling you, you know, the reason I sort of dropped everything when you called me is I first, I didn't know your state. And second was I had made that statement in that blog article. About six months later, I'm given a presentation in a, as a keynote at DevOps days, uh, Amsterdam. Right. And, you know, and and like, sometimes when you're really on, you're you're like, you you know, if you present like it's, the amount of energy you get, like, and, you know, my mouth was dry. And the only thing I can think about is after the presentation is getting to water, <laughs> water. I need water. <laughs> and then, so yeah. I'm literally beelining my way out of the auditorium room. 
And this young man standing at the door, because I was like first one out. I just like, I got to get water, then I'll talk to you. This is just right fresh off the stage, right? You just right. I mean, out. yeah, literally, I was just like, I just got to get water. It was maybe I, I got in late the night before, you know, from US or whatever. But, and so I'm beelining. And then this young man says, you know, hey, John, you got a minute to talk. And I'm just about to go, give me five minutes like this, you know, sort of waving my hand. And I see a teardrop in his eye. And I freeze. And next thing you know, I spent a, over an hour with him outside talking, and he was he was in a, a really negative place. Yeah. And um, and I don't know what I solved or didn't. I didn't solve anything, but like I listened, and then I realized, oh my God, John, you almost blew that guy off. What a freaking hypocrite you would be. You know, if you really wanted to, and I did. You know, I do. You know, like, but you know, sort of life gets sort of messy, and uh, you forget. Yeah. And that's why from that moment on, I always said, you know, I will, I will, I will drop anything at any time. I guess the only conditions, if it was a life and death for my family, right. Other than that, I would drop anything at any time. And so, you know, to me, it was a no brainer when you sort of, when I, I didn't know where you were, when you basically sort of called me Yeah. and, and even my, and God bless my wife, because she understands this too. She didn't like, honey, what are you doing? You know, she's like, no, no, I get it, John. We'll meet you there. You know? Yeah. So to yeah. her credit, um, but yeah, so that that's sort of my story about like um, burnout, and I presented on it over the years. And and you, I think you were saying that because um, then I, I asked you like, why do you feel comfortable calling me out of all the people, right? And yeah. So you told me um, the vulnerability, right? Just that that yeah, being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, you know, talking about it. Um, and at the time I wasn't hearing anybody talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the last time that, um, that again, another seed planted, right. I think it was DevOps enterprise summit 2018. Um, there was a panel, right. It was you and Courtney, Scott Prue, And I think Jeff Gallimore was there. Yeah. Jeff. Um, industry discussion on burnout, right. Yeah, yeah. Burnout tech. Um, and this is relatable. Like what we're talking about is like, mental health awareness and, and burnout. Like, you know, they go hand in hand. One can relate to the other. I mean, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're working 80 hours a week to qualify to feel burnt out. I mean, okay. yeah, yeah. we could be burnt out after 16 hours of work yeah, yeah. in our mental state, you know, and what are the, you know, like focusing on some of those. It's just know, not that simple. Out. That's the other thing sort of just gets my coat, right? When, when, when people get on about burnout and they just, you know, sort of, over focus on on exhaustion or you know yeah. and and like yes that does happen but you know there, there's sort of other attributes that that sort of gun unnoticed are the dangerous ones which are cynicism you know according to christina maslach's mbi but yeah. i don't put a link to that but you know like cynicism and uh you know like i don't care anymore they're all idiots and then i think the worst in our field is uh efficacy, efficacy yeah. like you know you're in this sort of battle with what like we think the world wants from us. Yeah. Especially in our world where yeah. it wants a lot. <laughs> we, yeah. we have, we make mistakes at banks, things go real haywire. We make mistakes at hospitals. Um, and so what we think the world wants of us and what we, you know, sort of are giving is this mismatch and, and I think efficacy. So yeah, the, the point being over rotation on, you know, sort of exhaustion or this idea like, Oh, I worked 80 hours last week. I mean, that's, possibly masking some of the more dangerous things. Yeah, opinion. for sure. Yeah. 
Well, you have good- maybe talk about too is like uh, uh, Dr. Maslach's MBI. You right. know, I mean, I, I think in that presentation or or during at least uh, in a press summit eighteen. Um, there was some focus that, that, that you and Christina had brought up, um, you know, around that too. And maybe it talks about, you know, doing a, a technology focused. Yeah, study. no, it's, it's been, oh, a, we so. talk about this time, it's sort of been in my sort of, you know, my to-do basket is the ugliest to-do basket in, in any to-do <laughs> yeah. basket ever known to humankind. But, uh, the, it, it's been there for a while and we should revisit it, but I, I did want to sort of you, um, couple of things I wanted to focus on is you had, you know, sort of as you went, you start getting to a place that you felt better, which again, I think, you know, your, your sort of recommendations and stories are going to be incredibly helpful for people listening. Um, but you then said, you know, I'm going to be more of an advocate about this, right? Like, you know, I don't want other people to go through this. So you did some research and data. And then I wanted to make sure we get in that sort of, um, and might as well do it right now, which is, you know, we talked about, I think what, you know, at, at a high level, how do we be better citizens here? And I think, you know, one, we sort of watch out for everybody. And I think we do a pretty good job. I get a lot of DMs periodically and say, hey, John, you know, can you ping such and such? I think they said a couple of weird things on Twitter. So yeah. I think, like, let's throw out the stigma. Like, if we're concerned about our friends, let's just be concerned about our friends. Friends, yeah. Right? And then, you know, I think second is, you know, which I think any book on sort of this subject we'll talk about is being a great listener. Yeah. Which is tough for me. <laughs> and it's then, tough um, for me. Yeah, it's yeah, tough yeah, for me tough for just to listen and sometimes, right? Being vulnerable, right? Like, like, like you don't have to be this sort of juggler that I am, right? People say, oh, that guy's funny, he does this. And sometimes I think they ask me to present keynotes because not because they think I'm really smart. They just think I'm a good person to sort of warm up the crowd. Right. And I know it's somewhere in between, but, but, but I do make myself vulnerable in a lot of ways, but I think in, in whatever way sort of makes you comfortable, the more vulnerable you make yourself, the more opportunity you will be there for somebody to reach out to you. Yeah. And that's the main point of why I felt comfort in reaching out to you, you know, is, is, you being vulnerable and talking about it. And so I've, you know, I'm learning as I go, I'm, I'm learning that I also need to be vulnerable. I'm a, a very private person. Uh, this is, you know, really hard for me to tell my story to talk about, but I, I just need to, I need right. to, I need to let people know that they're not alone and that they can reach out to me, right. Just to listen, just to realize that they're not alone. And, you know, we talked before about, you know, uh, therapies and all that. You and I are not therapists, right? Yeah. We're not going to give you that that type of uh, treatment or talk or whatever, but just again being there to listen, um, you know, sharing our stories uh, if it's desired, and, and just being a friend, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's to me is is important and why yeah, I, I really want to talk. You know, a true friend listens, right? Like, so like you know, yeah, and you know, um, I told you this story. It, it's a sort of somewhat related. It. The, the, there was sort of this whole from 2018, 19, there was a, you know, I was doing, a lot of people were asking me to do the keynote on burnout, you know, the burnout was, and I knew burnout was sort of, um, sort of bubbling when um, it was one of those network conferences in Vegas, right? Like the monster and they, and they wanted me to moderate a panel on burnout. I'm like, really? Uh, mm-hmm. And interrupt. Okay. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't say that sounds about as far reaching as you can get, you know? Uh, and uh 
they brought in a Vegas um, suicide prevention hotline guy. And one of the things that always has stuck with me on that, which was, you know, and it seems so counterintuitive, he's saying that, you know, the best thing you can do for a friend that you think is in trouble is ask them, are you thinking of committing suicide? And in fact, I thought, whoa, like, would that be the worst possible thing to do? Right. Like, Feels abrasive, right? Absolutely yeah. not. It actually shows them. So, because I think that's where the surface acting comes in. Like, if I ask you if you are okay, you're going to say, yeah, okay, why do you ask? But if I ask you, are you thinking you committed suicide? And you're like, you might hesitate and say, well, he might really understand. Yeah. And that was his point, you know. And uh, so I think those three points are important. But we'll, we'll definitely throw up some of the data. But tell us about some of the things that you found online and stuff that I think you're, that it might be helpful in the aggregate. Yeah. Um, few things, you know. Um, if we want to talk about just like things that I'm using. Yeah. Um, right now for help. I mean, well, first of all, let's put out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Right. I have it up in front of me, 1-800-273-8255, right? Um, if at a minimum, if you need to reach out to somebody that is there 24 hours a day for you to talk to someone, right? Um, uh, another thing that I found too is Emotions Anonymous, right? Uh, I'd never heard about it. I've been very familiar my entire life with uh, the ways of working around Alcoholics Anonymous and the, the kind of 12-step program, Emotions Anonymous, and you can find that at emotionsanonymous.org, uh, is something that I've really um, taken to, right? You can join and talk anonymously um, and find others that experience life like you do, Right been really awesome for me. And then a couple of organizations that I've really, uh, you know, been leaning on a lot just for data uh, is the, is NAMI National Alliance on Mental Health Illness. That's NAMI.org. And one of my favorites is, is OSMI. Uh, that's OSMIHelp.org, O-S-M-I-Help.org. And that's the open source mental illness organization. A um, lot of great studies. In fact, we've doing some, we're doing some internal polling based on some of their their research. Um, so those are some of the things that I'm I'm working on. But I also use coping mechanisms, and these are my own coping mechanisms uh, that I found helpful to me. Right, and I continue to grow. Right, these may change over time. And and you know, I think we talked about it before CBT, cognitive be- behavior therapy. Right. You've tried some of that uh, as you stated before, and it just didn't work for you. Right. And well, I know, find so- it like, you know, like not to sort of keep, you know, it's a two way. I want people to realize that, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not just the sort of perfect interviewer and, you know, you're the, the you know, the, the, the sort of victim. Like I have, like, I could do like three hours on <laughs> my mental psyche. But I think, you know, what I have found is finding the right therapist is probably the hardest. For sure. Thing. Yeah. Because I've had the whole like first discussion about CBT and then the second, and this is going to be great. And by the fifth, session like all right where is the cbt stuff you know yeah. uh, so it probably comes down to finding and i think that's probably another like you know million dollar question is how do you find a great find it yeah great and un, you know unfortunately it does take some time you yeah. know you're not uh, your first attempt may not be yeah. you know yeah. you're driving with this this individual right and that's okay like just move on, Keep on yeah, and, yeah. you know seek seek that additional help so and again we talk about crystals, like not really on crystals. Maybe that's a great coping yeah. mechanism for you and it, and it, you know, helps you emotionally. Uh, but for me, uh, daily meditation and yoga, um, I, I, you know, I prioritize that. Um, 
you know, in the mornings and throughout the day if needed. Um, CBT, uh, group meetings, uh, including Emotions Anonymous, you know, something that's been very helpful to me. And reading, right? Reading, it can be, it doesn't really matter. It takes, it. you know, if I need to step away and read, mm-hmm. um, which I've been reading a lot, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what, what the title of the book is or what, what you're reading. I mean, I've been even getting into fiction, which is not in my wheelhouse. Um, and then therapy, right? Uh, one-on-one therapy, group therapy, find out what's working for you and what you need. Um, and I'll go as far as medication. Yeah. I was going to say medication is, I think there's a stigma on medication as well. Right. Yeah. But, but chemicals, you know, it's part of, uh, you know, um, like I told you the story, you know, I, you know, like um, I've always got Xanax with me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, sometimes I get fear of frying, so, but uh, I have another sort of drug. I call it the don't get divorced with your wife drug. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, and it is something that I just have that sort of Irish temper where, you know, not that I do anything sort of physically violent, but I, I just can go off on stupid stuff. And, uh-huh. and my wife will even say to me, are you, did you skip your medicine today? You know? <laughs> so again, um, chemicals for me, are like is an integral part of, of my well-being. So, yeah, yeah, very real. And, and it's taken me a lot of time um, just kind of trying to find that balance with medications, working with a, a psychiatrist to, to help me really kind of regulate and balance uh, that, you know, and, and it's been helpful. Um Data, John, do you want to talk a little bit about data? A little, yeah. We, you know, I always try to keep this under an hour, though. This is, you know, like I don't want to shortchange it. I think yeah. it's a fabulous presentation. But yeah, talk a little about the data. Sure. Yeah. So again, uh, NAMI.org and OSMEHelp.org is is kind of what uh, some of the data that I'll be talking to. So I got four points that I really would like to expose, right? Um, first one, one in five U.S. adults live or suffer from some sort of uh, some level of mental illness, right? That's 20% of us, yeah. right? So in a small organization, maybe, you know, you have 50 people in your organization, that means 10 of us are walking around suffering uh, at some level, right? You know, and then when we talk about like serious uh, ailments of, of, you know, mental health conditions, one in 25 of us have a serious mental health condition. So, you know, I'll just poke uh, at a large organization, right? Let's say we have a hundred thousand uh, people in our workforce, that means 4,000, 4, 4,000 people walking around with something serious, right? Yeah. Some mental health issues that, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty staggering. That's pretty alarming. And this data is actually a little bit stale. It's a little bit old. I mean, all the political climate that we're living in, you know, globally, yeah. uh, the, you know, uh, all of the uh, COVID activity that has really kind yeah, of turned knows, our world but, upside yeah. down. Like we, there's a lot more going on here uh, that, you know, the data hasn't truly been exposed yet. That's right. That's right. Um, wrap up here. Suicide, second leading cause of death for people of ages 10 to 34. Yeah. That's, so that's, sta- that's stale. That's stale data. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, and that, that even gets in- increased in, in some of the minority communities too. LGBTQ communities. We have, we see much greater, um, suicide rates and, and serious mental health uh, issues, you know, you know, I might break this up into two parts just cause, um, you know, one of the things you made me think about is, you know, early on after that sort of article and, you know, I sort of went out and just talked about burnout. Right. And then I, I got, uh, I think it was InfoQ. They asked me this, can you give some 
how to's and they're like you guys there is no possibility of me doing that yeah. <laughs> i'm not qualified and they said well no but you've read enough about it now and researched it that could you at least tell people what you learned and i'm like i'm okay with that and that made me take it to another level right and and one of the things i found actually from some of christina maslick's more advanced work and i've actually had discussions and interviews with her about this is she's got this work-life balance stuff and and i think you know, um, to your point about the numbers, like if like if it's 100,000 people in an organization and 4,000 of them are in sort of or, you know, what are we saying? Like 20,000 of them are um, basically in some sort of mental, you know, sort of cloud and then sort of 4,000 are like seriously. Seriously. That's a productivity and not to sort of like turn everything into sort of Adam Smith, you know, uh, economics. But like the point is there's an economic benefit of an organization. Yeah. And and I did a fair amount of presentations sort of trying to point this out is that like, instead of thinking about like, you know, Christina Matisic told this interesting story once she said that she'd go in these large corporations and, you know, they bring her in like, cause they sort of HR said they had to like the CEO be like, you know, like I was you know sort of forced to bring you in, you know, but like this give everybody a couch in their office is not what we're going to do here. Right. Yeah. And, and and like, and I started thinking about like that sort of response you would get from these CEOs, like, you know, Christina, what do you think I'm going to do? Put a couch in everybody's office, you know? And I started thinking about like, you know, some of these sort of, you know, especially the work-life balance stuff, they're true anti-patterns of DevOps. Like they, like you can look at them line item and say, and, you know, get, I'll, I'll put a link to some of my presentations on this and say, um, wow, that's basically the opposite of that is what we say like we should do in DevOps. And so I think, you know, um, at, at, at a sort of a macro level discussion, there's an opportunity because um, there's another woman who talks about the sort of the, the um, Guerrero is her name. She talks about the sort of path of burnout. Like it takes six months to get there. It takes a year to get out of it. Um, it actually affects some of the highest performance from her. You know, so literally the people who think, you know, and I've always been told that, like, you know, when you're a real creative person, you're creative, like, in the stuff you do, and you're creative about <laughs> how you look for problems. Um, you know, her point was some of the high performers in her data were the ones that, so you add all that up, that, you know, fourth, anywhere from 4,000, 20,000 of maybe your top performers are not performing at their optimum state. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is the economic cost of that? And, you know, maybe part of sort of the, the evangelism of like sort of understanding burnout and being better, you know, sort of community is just purely economics. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate converting that, you know, and, and I know, I know, but, but whatever, it, but it is whatever real. It right? And, yeah. You know, right? And ultimately at the end of the day, if we help people, right, there is that economic return. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, the, it, 2019 study from Henley Business School confirmed that I think they did like the four week uh, or four day work week type of thing. Uh And out of 250 um, participating firms, they've, you know, reported that they saved nearly 104 billion U.S. dollars. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, huge staggering numbers, you know, and it it sucks to put it on, on dollar value, but those people are getting help. Right. In this case, it was the four day week, um, you know, study, but. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I, I think about somebody, a beautiful person like you or, or um, you know, some of the, you know, the Stephen Nelson Smith. And I don't know why my mind's going blank on a gentleman from 
from LA who I've, you know, in fact, when I say his name, I start crying. So maybe it's, maybe it's sort of a blocking mechanism, but, um, you know, I, I just don't want to see people that I sort of like the beautiful people die. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I just like whatever we can do, you know, I mean, there was some, you know, the guy who founded engine yard, I can never pronounce his last name. Like apparently he committed suicide. The guy who created Debian, you know, the precursor operating system to Ubuntu yeah. committed suicide. Right. There's been stories of like high level engineers at Apple, you know, just with kids, family, everything's perfect. You know, so like, like, I don't want that to happen. I just don't want but not to anybody. Anybody. Not to anybody. That's right. That's right. You know, so, so whatever. And so, I mean, it, it, there's a couple of things I want to say. One is thank you for being sort of vulnerable and courageous, right. To tell your story. Cause I kept thinking, is there a question I'm going to ask you where you're going to say, you know, like I'm going to be, we sort of have an embarrassing moment. Like John, I really don't want to talk about that. Right. And you, did, <laughs> like, you were like all in and it was, it was your idea too. Right. Like, I mean, I was like all in for your idea. Um, you know, but um, yeah, and I think that the the sort of the meta point is that um, I think both of us realize that we need to put more energy, you know, in you know in a community discussion about this stuff because, yeah. you know, I, I'm not saying I'm like um, you know sort of the, uh, the 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 sort of catalyst for burnout discussions in our industry, but I will say. For the period of from the time I wrote that article for a couple of years, burnout was a very active conversation. Um, yeah. I got involved in some of the startups. I sort of, you know, you know, as we do, I got focused on different things. I really stopped talking about burnout. And, you know, you, in a correlated fashion where correlation is not causation, um, the um, the discussion about burnout sort of didn't, you know, wasn't as sort of, um, strong as it was during those periods. So I like when you sort of ping me and we, we had this pre-call, I thought, you know what, like I'm not doing my job, you know, for whatever it's worth. And so again, I appreciate you both for one, be courage and to sort of putting a you know, foot in my ass. Yeah. Well, you know, again, thank you for, for, you know, picking up the phone, uh, as it were. Right. And, uh, and, you know, giving me an opportunity to, to be vulnerable and, and, you know, just being a friend, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's so important, yeah. you know, so important. So, and I guess in closing, I just like, you know, the listeners, uh, you know, anybody who talks about this just to realize it's, it's okay not to be okay. Right. right. And there is, there's help out there. There's people that will listen, including myself, including you, um, you know, and, and reach out. I mean, at a minimum, reach out to a trusted, you know, family member, friend, um, any of the organizations that we discussed a few minutes ago, um, or, you know, look at a mental health program. Like there's nothing wrong with that and take the time you need. I mean, if that's 15 minutes, if that's an hour, a week, a month, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Prioritize you. Uh, most important thing. All right, my friend. Um, uh, this conversation will to be continued. So, yeah. Thank you, John. Yeah. Thank you. All, All right. right. Take care. All right.